You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today served for 15 years in the Canadian Army, five years of which were in the military police branch. During that period, he was strongly opposed to cannabis, but when his wife became ill, he began researching the use of cannabis to help her. He now belongs to an organization called LEAP, Law Enforcement Action Partnership, which was formed in 2002 in Massachusetts and is opposed to the current war on drugs. And joining us today from Victoria, British Columbia, to tell his story is Jim Fisk. Jim, thanks for coming in today. It's good to meet you. My pleasure. Thanks for doing this. How would you describe your early attitude toward cannabis? I didn't have one. My father was a mounted policeman, and if something was against the law, that was the end of the discussion. There was no option for any other thoughts, so... Uh, I wasn't even allowed to go to um, Robert Mitchum movie because Robert Mitchum had been convicted of uh, cannabis possession. That's right, 1948, and served time in prison. He had a great line when he came out. A reporter asked him what he thought of uh, jail. He said, it's like Palm Springs, but without the riffraff. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great great quote. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of stuck with Robert Mitchum for a long time, didn't it? Yes, it did so. Yeah. A lifetime for me, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, you're still quoting him today. <laughs> when you were in, in the Army, did you run into many soldiers who used cannabis? Uh, no, I wasn't directly involved in enforcement. We heard about it. I wasn't involved in any. I was involved in one investigation peripherally, and that was all. Um, I did attend a course at the U.S. Army Military Police School where they were training marijuana detector dogs. So I probably learned more from from that one where they served up the Kool-Aid from the DEA. So it's safe to say you had a pretty hardened attitude toward cannabis? Oh, in spades. In spades. Yeah. You thought it was like heroin, cocaine... Oh, just nothing good about it. And and the classic answer that I used, that I borrowed from everybody else, was, uh, you know, if you want to legalize it. We've already got, and you get the argument, well, you know, what about alcohol and tobacco? And the classic answer is, well, we certainly don't need another problem. So that was my attitude towards it, was just don't even talk about it. And you, you sort of bought into the whole reefer madness thing that would make you crazy, et cetera. Yes. Addiction, violence, fry your brain. Oh, and gateway to terrible things, yes. Mm. Yeah, so what uh, what turned you around, Jim? Uh, my wife. Yeah, that happens a lot in marriages. <laughs> <laughs> my wife had a car accident oh, in the mid-early 90s, and we attribute several problems to that, although no doctors ever came along with us. And uh, one of the problems was this movement. She'd always been a fidgeter, but it was this this movement which sometimes was ballistic or described as ballistic, which meant 
know, as she was falling off to sleep and I was just about there, her arm would come up and whack me alongside the ear, and she always claimed that was involuntary. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we went through several uh, neurologists here and in Calgary, and she went to a movement disorder clinic, and the best they could come up with was a choreatic disorder of unknown origin. And when you parse that out, it says she moves a lot, but we're darned if we know why. Mm-hmm. And we don't have an answer. And we don't have an answer. So uh, she was tested for Parkinson's and Huntington's and all of the usual uh, sinister things. And uh, we sort of gave up and thought she was just going to have to live with it until we watched on the 10th of August, ni- uh, 2013, we watched Sanjay Gupta's first special, Weed. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that it was useful for Parkinson's, which then triggered our interest in it. So I did some research, because that's what I love to do. And uh, we went to see our family doctor, who was, you know, concerned and interested, but but felt he just didn't have enough knowledge to, to talk about using cannabis at all. So I went back and did some more research, and I discovered Sativex, which is a GW Pharmaceuticals product, which has been approved for Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So I'm back to him, and we said, how about an off-label prescription? So he gave us that, and we went to Costco, because that would be the cheapest source, where it was a mere $220 for 10, about 10 mils of cannabis. Wow. Um, synthetic Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry, theirs is a full plant extract. Is it? Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I understand it is, anyway. I may be wrong on that, but any rate, uh, it it does have an undesirable effect on the mouth. It causes mouth ulcers. Mouth ulcers, et cetera, which makes me wonder if it is just 100% extract, because I just can't see that happening if that was the case. Yeah, you've you got to believe they've done something else. So, needless to say, we, we went to a, a non-pharmaceutical source for uh, for cannabis. We went to the Buyers Club. And uh, her movement has just settled right down. It's still there. But, uh, you know, she can, she can function and so on. She doesn't, she was dropping things. She was spilling. She was, uh, bumping into things. And it, of course, it was terribly embarrassing for her. That settled out. It's still there, but not as bad. And I'm pleased to say the ballistic movements are gone. Um, no, we don't notice any black eyes. <laughs> <laughs> was she constantly moving? No, it got it started off with the hands in in the early part of the day. You'd, you'd sort of describe it as fidgeting, but it would progress. And if she became anxious or overtired or excited about something, then the, it would go to her next to her head and then to her feet. She'd just be bouncing. Um, and you can imagine what that was like on an airplane arriving to see grandchildren that you haven't seen for six months. One of us just about went out the window. <laughs> so any degree of anxiety would trigger this. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. Any any sort of neuro, any sort of emotional. Mm-hmm. What about when she was sleeping? Nothing. I could tell as soon as she fell asleep. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, just stop. So, so when you first sorry, Ian, um, when you first started using cannabis, in what form did she use it? Um, oil. Uh, Cannabis oil? uh, Cannabis oil capsules. Mm -hmm. And um, she's tinkered with several different formulations of those capsules and uh, found a a package that makes sense and works for her. 
So is that a combination of THC and CBD? Yes. So about a 50-50? Roughly. Yeah. Uh, a little bit stronger, uh, uh, the CBD during the day and THC at night. So. Um, after she took the first capsule, how long till you noticed? Was it instantaneous, I guess is what I'm asking? Or did it take a, a few days, a week? I really don't recall. I, I don't think it was very long. Um, mm-hmm. On my part, I'm sure there was a certain amount of resistance to to the acceptance that it was really working. Yeah, how did you feel when you went in there? Were you optimistic this was going to work? Or, or was this kind of like, okay, we'll give this a try. There's nothing else that we we can uh, find that yeah, will work for her? Pretty much it was, let's give it a whirl. Sort of a last-ditch yeah. ditch effort to get some well, normalcy. There were, there were no more ditches as far as the medical profession was concerned. So you had no idea how this would work, but based on your life experience, mm-hmm. you were somewhat skeptical, even though Sanjay Gupta's yep. weed documentary indicated that it would help. Well, and, and the impact on Charlotte Figgy, the, the, the dramatic change in that child, mm-hmm. made us both hopeful. And how was your wife, uh, how does she feel about taking this? Don't try and take it away from her. <laughs> no, as far as she's concerned, this is a this is the answer for. Her. It's been life changing. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know we were out for lunch the other day, and you would never know that no. there was anything you know amiss at all. No, she can she can function quite nicely now. Yeah, that's got to be such a relief for her. Oh yeah, yeah. And as I say, it was it was frustrating, embarrassing. Uh, you know, and so then you start withdrawing and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, I can imagine even just a scenario like thinking about going out for a meal and her wondering whether or not this is going to come on probably created some anxiety and did bring it on, I would think. I would suspect so, yeah. Jim, I'm wondering when your wife started taking this and uh, she felt better, obviously, mm-hmm. Did she react at all to the THC in any way? Uh, no. We we tried a little bit of RSO, and uh, and that didn't work very well for her because I overdosed her. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, uh, she ended up vomiting half the night to get rid of it. Her body did not react well. I, I mean, it was now that I know something about it, it was stupid the amount that I gave. How much did you give her? Well, out of a syringe, probably about that much, uh, about three-quarters of an inch on the first try. Out of a, a five-mil syringe? Yeah. So we're talking, you probably gave her almost a gram. Probably half to three-quarters of a gram, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see how that might cause an issue. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I, I had never heard of the start low and go slow uh, mm. mantra at all. And so, yeah, oh, that's I'm, too bad. But yeah. so, Best will in the world, but... So I guess it's good that she even tried it again, because that would be enough to scare some people off. Yes, it would. You know, which is unfortunate, and that's another area that we really need education in so that those type of experiences don't happen, and people go, well, forget it. I'm not going to yeah. try that. And I've heard of others that have, um, but she was um, she was pretty committed. Was that like her first dose? No. No? no. Okay, so she already knew that she was getting some relief. Yes. And, yeah, you do have to kind of play around with it. Like, what did she start out with dosing-wise compared to, like, it seems to me you've kind of 
tailored it to what really fits for her. What did she start out with and where is she now? She started with uh, what the Buyers Club calls Ryanol. Ryanol. Okay, so that's... Um, What's that? 5% an indi- THC. Yeah, it's a capsule that actually I take those at night. Um, it'll relax you, but it's not super strong. Yeah, that was her start, and that showed an immediate effect. Interesting. So she takes now takes CBD capsules during the day which work nicely for her. I just want to be really clear that the CBD she's on is CBD derived from cannabis. Yes. Not from hemp. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah the, no. Boy, you're firm on that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like coffee, you know. Uh, why bother if it's decaf? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's CBD in the day. Yeah, and then she takes a Ryanol and uh, an Indica at night and sleeps through, which she wasn't doing. She was was spending a lot of time up and roaming around. Wow, interesting. So she couldn't sleep either. No. Jim, today do doctors still have no idea what's causing her issue? No idea. No idea at all? No. What do they think about the change in her? Do they know what she's doing? Our GP does, but uh, he has long since given up on us being orthodox. And and we haven't been back to a specialist. Although, sorry, that's not quite true. We asked the last neurologist what they thought about it. And the answer was, don't know anything about it. If you think it works, give it a shot. That's good. Yeah, That's good. That's that's open-minded. That's a lot better than a lot of people get when they try and talk to a doctor about stuff, about using cannabis. We've been the other route, too. Jim, based on your research, you said you uh, you do a lot of research. Do you have any idea what may be causing your wife's problem? If my – it seems to relate back to this vehicle accident. And um, in that case, I suspect – my suspicion is a brainstem injury. Um, it showed up. The symptoms she had was what I found out. The doctors couldn't put a name on it, but it's – it's in uh, Wikipedia as a brachioradial pruritus, which is an itching, a deep, intensive, unscratchable itching that sticks to one nerve, in the median nerve. And that's because of damage up in the uh, brachial uh, plexus. And that would also, we think, connect to her balance issues and the, and the movement, because those are all brainstem issues. And uh, part of the balance and movement shows up as proprioception problems, which is the coming together of the location of your arms and so on, so you know where they are. So we think that was probably damaged as part of that. Now, we're not getting any confirmation from any doctor at all on that. When she first had this, did it progressively get worse then, or did it stay this? It did get worse. Yeah. Both in, in frequency and the amount of movement she would do? Yeah. Well, there were, she had another problem, and I didn't think about till last night the light went on. It could also have been connected to um, the whiplash. She developed hydrocephalus. She had a ductal stenosis between second and third ventricle, and that required her to have a ventriculostomy, which involved a, a, a probe going in through the top of the skull and then creating a new duct between the second and third ventricle of the brain. Now, you can't convince me that you can get there without some damage somewhere, and 
parts of the brain up in there deal with movement, as I understand it. So that may have exacerbated. That was in 2002. Geez, Dr. Jim. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of info now. Way to go. I mean, you, you discovered what could be your wife's problem through Wikipedia. Whereas yeah. neurologists had no idea. No, and they, of course, they, as soon as you suggest anything like that, they say, oh, well, Dr. Google. You know, but I mean, we don't teach our kids to read critically. There's junk on the web, too, mm-hmm. on both sides of the argument, I might add. Yeah, absolutely. How, what has this done for you in terms of your attitude towards cannabis? Made me angry. No, that's, that's an understatement. I'm, frankly, I'm outraged that industry and government have focused on denying access to a potential medication. It may not solve a whole lot of problems, but it shows so much promise that there have to be millions of people who have suffered and died courtesy of financial concerns and political correctness. And having been brought up in a law enforcement environment where law social norms and so on were very important to me to find out that I have been betrayed um, and and lied to my entire life and in fact supported those lies uh, just just leaves me outraged we get emails here every day and we got one last week from a woman in Kuala Lumpur I think and, I believe so yeah yeah and uh, she wanted to know where she could get cannabis oil because there was a child uh, having an issue there. And, I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, neuroblastoma. It was a child with neuroblastoma. And, yeah. But she said the possession of cannabis oil in Malaysia is punishable by death. Without benefit of trial, by the way. Very often. <laughs> I mean, it's just, but you can walk around with uh, pharmaceutical drugs, all the pharmaceutical yeah. drugs you want. Yeah, with no problem. And it just shows that in the last 80 years, we've been lied to for the benefit of those people who control the financial and economic levers of power politically in nearly every country in the world. Well, uh, I would focus on the U.S., where the whole thing started, and they created the war on drugs, and they pushed it through the U.N. and sort of got everybody else painted into the same corner. They, if anybody is ever interested in in the history of prohibition, they need to read the pot book and or smoke signals, and mm-hmm. both of those have cited historical events that led to prohibition. And I think when we're when we're talking to people, we need to really emphasize that there has never ever been a medical reason for prohibition of of cannabis. No, the American Medical Association in 1937 when it was when cannabis was going to be made illegal, argued in favor of the use of cannabis because it was on the pharmacopoeia. Yeah, they lost 40% of their, their uh, tools. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's disgusting, really. Tell me about the organization that you belong to, Law Enforcement Action Prohibition. No, it's Action Partnership. Partnership. I don't know where I got prohibition, but... <laughs> Well, I may have typed it that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I'll correct that. <laughs> LEAP is primarily a, an American organization. It started out as Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and it's renamed itself. That's where you, That's where where you got it. it. Yeah. That's where you got it from. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it is focused on 
trying to get some sense into the system. The criminal justice, it believes the criminal justice system is not the way to deal with what's functionally a, or is essentially a medical health and social issue, uh, which had been borne out by all kinds of research. Um, and, of course, they're against it for a number of reasons. One is because the, the confrontational environment it's created between police and public and the militarization of, of the police departments, policemen wearing combat clothes, come on, armored cars and so on. Tanks. Tanks. And it, it leads to, to things like policemen who, who shoot rather than, hey, dogpile the guy. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're just the whole mindset has changed, and it and is absolutely not for the benefit. So there's that, and then there's the just the the cost, social and economic cost. The U.S. has got twenty has got five percent of the world's population, and five and twenty five percent of the world's incarcerated population, mm-hmm. more than China or Russia. Uh, it's a big business. There's one state that has an outsourced prison management system, and they have a guaranteed occupancy in the contract. That sounds like conflict of interest to me. And the United States has more women in prison than all other countries combined. Yes. And most of them, I've forgotten the stats, but it's it's, it's very close to 50% are minor possession charges. In New York City, the police commission said that they would reduce the enforcement of, of minor uh, possession charges. But in fact, the following year it went way up. And that's because of kickbacks from the DEA. There are police departments in the States, I'm told, that are funded largely by payback from the DEA for in their enforcement activities and by a civil forfeiture of property, which in the US, some U.S. states, maybe even most, doesn't even require trial. So there's some suspicions that there are actually departments that are shopping for equipment that they can seize to be used by the department. You see me holding my jaw up here? It's like, <laughs> shit. Really? Wow. So how, how many um, outlets are, or, oh, that's not the right word, but uh, Cha- it's chapters. 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 Let's go with chapters. How many chapters I, of LEAP are there? I've forgotten now. It's more, as I say, mostly in the States, there's, there's a UK chapter. I'm not... Uh, active, although I'm an active follower, but not an active participant. Jim, what do you think your father would think of your support of cannabis? I believe we can hear him spinning as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Clockwise or counterclockwise? <laughs> Jim, do you take cannabis at all? Yes. What for? Anxiety. Anxiety? Um, I am a product of the 60s, when, um, and I was in the military at the time. And if you had any kind of difficulty at all or anything that was bothering you, then it was obviously anxiety and it obviously required a prescription for uh, some kind of of drug. And none of them ever worked for me. And so, of course, I became known as (laughs) non-compliant. So do you take the same formula that your wife takes? Yeah, but not. I don't take as much. What, uh, What was it like for you the very first time you took it? Nothing. Nothing at all. No, um, it's hard to tell. I'm of an age and stage where um, being sleepy is um, <laughs> commonplace, <laughs> kind of permanent, a refined art. I might <laughs> so that was a little hard to tell. There may be something there. Um, 
but nothing noticeable. Like you weren't blitzed out of your skull. Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. No, if anything, I found that I don't react as quickly. Um, we're told that if we could control our that our first ninety seconds of our reaction is hardwired reaction. If we don't, it's just this is why we get. Mom said, "Count to ten because at 90 seconds you can start to control your reaction and you can reprogram your reaction. Yeah. And what I found is that I'm starting to reprogram my reaction to things. Very interesting. So you you take just CBD or a mixture of CBD THC? Yeah, both. So would it be fair to say 50-50 ratio then or Oh, it depends on the day, I suppose. It, yeah. I I don't I take uh, indica at night for sleep. And during the day, I take a CBD if I feel like I'm going to want it, mm. or you know, if I start to become a little bit bunched. Now, Jim, you um, have been quite the advocate for cannabis, yay, Jim, since uh, your own experience with this. And I know you've spoken to people at your church, etc. Yeah. And there's been a couple of individuals that you've helped. Would you yes. care to share that? Um, we've helped a. Uh, Talked to a friend who had bladder cancer. Um, he had it was it was a surface cancer, which he described as being like mushrooms, and so it was scraped oh, probably a dozen times. And they were talking about you know we'll install a plastic bladder for you and all of those things. Uh, we got him on oil, and he did not follow the um, the dosage pattern treatment pattern and so he cleared but it kept resurfacing so when we got that clarified and got him on a, a different oil um, still rso but a different uh, plant strain uh, he's now clear and surgery free good show how old a gentleman he's 66 yeah. we ran into a guy in nova scotia i gotta tell you about um he had a node about the size of your thumb on his lung. In the course of the surgery to remove that, instead of taking out one rib, they took four, which left him with this monstrous growth on his left side. Um, in five years that he's had cancer, he was told three times that he w- had less than 90 days to live. And uh, this spring, um, he went in for a scan, and they couldn't even find uh, blood markers. There was nothing. Zero. Zero. Wow. Come awesome. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. It's amazing when you, it's, it's like so many other things, when you start to listen, you hear. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've uh, interviewed some amazing people on this program. Who was the fellow in, was it Chicago we interviewed, Corey, or Milwaukee? He uh, was 73 years old, had cancer. They wanted to give him um, colonoscopy. Uh, they wanted to take out his bladder, and, oh, yes. and he said, uh, well, you told me I didn't have any cancer in my bladder. He says, well, that's the way we do it. That's the way we do it. And they wanted to give him two or three bags. Yeah, and they wanted to uh, – he started out with oil. He had prostate cancer. Prostate cancer, that's and right. They, he started out with oil and then uh, was doing well, but the doctors convinced him to do chemo. As a result of the chemo, and they admitted this, he ended up with – Bladder cancer, liver cancer, yeah. prostate, and colon. Yeah. No, it started in the colon. That's when you started in the colon. colon yeah. yeah, and he ended up with prostate, more colon cancer, bladder cancer, 
liver cancer. Lovely. Lovely. And they wanted to give him a bag for his bladder, and they wanted to give him a blad- bag for his... Uh, Elimination? Colos- yeah, colostomy. And they were um, going to take what, part of his stomach to rebuild... Yeah. Stomach muscle to rebuild something else from the surgery they did. It was just terrific. Anyway, he's all but clear now, so... Yeah. You know... Oh. But boy, yeah, and he's got all his body parts. He's got all his body parts. He's in his I, I seventy-three. Seventy-three is that it? Yeah. yeah. And without the suffering that goes along with the chemo, we we were not able to convince a very close friend of ours to uh, to go with us. And as a result, he's dead. Oh, uh, he lasted fourteen months. But uh, you know, he had a really unhappy time of that fourteen months. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even like you get some quality time for, no, for that, your effort. That's what I tell people is, that, you know, the worst case scenario is that you'll die happy. You know, I often say to people, the very, you know, the very least this is going to do is give you a quality of life that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. And, and without exception, that is always the case yeah. in my experience. Jim, do you see any momentum on behalf of the public toward legalization i'm not talking about canada specifically but in the united states i know there isn't in the uk and we have listeners in the uk who are just frustrated as hell by what's going on and uh, to probably i think a lesser degree in australia australia as well everything seems to be focused on the united states because if the united states goes legal federally then other nations are apt to follow well, and the United Nations has just re- uh, drug people have just released a report saying that all drugs should be controlled and regulated and not prohibited. Of course, that's the tagline uh, for Leap: is drugs are bad, the war on drugs is worse. And everybody who's thinking about it and, and has done any looking into it research knows that the war on drugs has been an abysmal failure. It's in fact fostered everything that it tried to prevent. Isn't it Switzerland or Sweden, one of those countries that you can't be, or Denmark, one of the countries over there where you can't be busted for... Portugal. Uh, is it Portugal? Portugal. Portugal and for Portugal. any drugs? Yeah, and yeah. they their addiction rate, et cetera, is far lower, along with the crime, of course. Yes, the crime's gone down. The interesting one is that in Canada, I think it's 40% of 15-year-olds have tried uh, cannabis. Mm-hmm. In Portugal, it's 11 because and there isn't that taboo. It's just no big deal. Yeah. They're, all of their drug abuse cases have gone down. Their opioid overdoses have gone down. The crime rate's gone down. Every metric that you would want has, has improved. And, uh, you know, there just is no argument against it, except we've always done it that way. Jim, it was uh, good to talk to you. Good to hear that your wife is on the road to... Uh better health yeah and uh your attitude has changed so keep that up <laughs> anything <laughs> anything you want to say in conclusion uh no i just uh, first off i can't believe the rapidity of change people are really catching on and i also can't believe that there are still people who are who are resistant uh it just you know it it's willful ignorance on the part of many of most of our politicians Oh, yeah, that's... We won't, <laughs> Don't get even started. We won't, we won't go there. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Good to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Jim. Much appreciated. And as we often do to conclude the program, if you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis, then send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. Visit our website, 
CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.